0: This morning is our last lesson. Okay, we've, we've looked at a lot of topics from the book of Proverbs. This is the last one, and then next Sunday. So get get ready for next Sunday. It's Q and A. So you can either text me like you've done before. You can text me your questions, or you can write it on a piece of paper and drop it off in that uh, minimalist. We don't we don't have that big box anymore. Uh, Miss Kim, switch it to that little guy. You can. Um, you can drop your questions in that box uh, by by Wednesday. So next next Sunday Q&A. The Sunday after that, Lord willing, we'll start uh, a new uh, study, Book of Ephesians. So if you want to start reading uh, that that letter, um, that that will start two Sundays from today. And again, I'd love to hear questions about about what you've, what you've been thinking about. Maybe you have questions about our series in Proverbs, maybe even back to winter camp, those sessions there. Um, anything that you would need, you would want to ask and whatever you need help in right now, I, I would uh, enjoy answering those questions. But this morning, last lesson in our series Wisdom for Youth in Proverbs, I want to talk about sexual purity. Okay, sexual purity. Now, as a way of introduction, let me ask you a couple questions. What do you think sexual purity means? What do you think that means? Maybe you've heard that from your parents. Maybe maybe you've shared that with your friends. Maybe you've even prayed that, Lord, help me to be sexually pure. What, what does that mean? If you don't know, I'm, I'm going to give you Um, hopefully a simple but clear definition in your handout Mm -hmm. I've put it this way sexual purity is the active choice it's not an emotion it's not a, a feeling it's a choice that you have to make and it's an active kind of choice of protecting first your mind from impure thoughts Sexual purity starts in the mind. You need to have this active choice of protecting your mind from impure thoughts. And secondly, your body from sexual sin. Okay, I know I'm talking to uh, our younger generation. Um, I don't want you to think that, Oh, I don't need to learn about sexual purity. I'm young. Um, but at the same time, I don't want you to think that, that sexual impurity only has to do with your body and with another person. So I really want to make sure that you get that. It's it's protecting your mind from impure thoughts. So even if you're not with another person, you can commit sexual sin, sexual impurity because you can commit it in your mind with impure thoughts. And secondly, I don't want to assume that, well, they're young, so they're probably not doing this, or they're probably not facing this, or they're probably not being tempted to commit sexual sin with another person. I don't want to assume that, just because you're young. So that also is important in the definition, protecting your body from sexual sin. So that sexual purity, it's, it's an active choice of protection, your mind and your body. Now, why should you pursue sexual purity? Why do you? Why do you pursue sexual purity? Yes, Nicholas. It's God's, will. it's God's will. Yes. What else? Other answers. Why do you guys protect your mind? Why do you guys protect your body? Why don't you do things that other people do? Why is sexual purity important to you? Why? Yes, Henry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It can lead to discontentment. Yes, Grace. It'll be better for you once you're married. Yeah, it'll be better to protect it now and not waste it. We'll look at that in a moment. And then, and then uh, preserve it and, and have it with your future spouse. Yes, Cookie. Yes, it's an example to unbelievers. Very, very good answer. I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians 4 real quick, okay? want to read this to you, make a couple comments, and then we'll go to Proverbs chapter 5. And Nicholas is right. This has to be the, not the only, all of the other answers are, are great, but this has to be primary. Okay, this is why. This is why you and I should pursue sexual purity. First, Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 3. Paul writes this, For this is the will of God. Okay? If you're young in the faith, if you're a Christian, and you're asking, What is God's will for me? Here's one. Very explicit. Word for word. Paul says, This is God's will for you. What is it, Paul? Your sanctification. Okay, what is that? To be set apart. To be different. Okay? To be different. Okay, what... In what way, Paul? He tells us, That you abstain from sexual immorality. Only physical sexual sin? No. Also mentally. With your mind. It's both. Your mind and your body. You abstain from that. What what does that look like? Verse 4. That each of you know. Yes, you can know, students. Even at a young age. You can know how to control your passions and and your mind and your body. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel, your mind, your body, who you are, in sanctification and honor. Verse 5, not in lustful passion, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Rookie said it's an example to unbelievers. Exactly right, Paul says that. Those those unbelievers are are mastered by their passions and they do the things that they do, think the way they think. But for you, if you're a Christian, Paul says you should know what's got what God's will for you is, and you should know how to control yourself because those who cannot control themselves in the in the top, in the issue of sexual purity are unbelievers. So, students, you need to pursue sexual purity because number one, Paul says it's God's will for you. Okay? If you're a Christian, this is God's will for you. And you need to pursue it because secondly, Paul says that it proves that you're a Christian. You, if you have no control of where your mind goes, does your mind go to where it shouldn't be going? Yes. But if you, can you control it? You should be able to control it. And if you don't have control of your body, what you do with it, whether alone or with another person, Paul says, you're just like the Gentiles. You're just like the people who do not know God. You're living like them because most likely you're not a Christian. So this is key. okay? Just because you're young, don't assume that, well, I won't face that. This is God's will for you. And it proves that you're a Christian. So that's what I want to look at this morning. I want to talk about it. And teach you how to pursue sexual purity. So turn to Proverbs chapter 5. Solomon is going to teach us how to do what Paul is talking about in 1 Thessalonians 4. How to pursue sexual purity. Proverbs chapter 5. So I've broken this into seven strategies in pursuing sexual purity. Seven strategies in pursuing sexual purity. And some of them I'll slow down, some of them I'll be quick because I want to try to fit all of them this morning. Well, uh, here's the first one, the first strategy. Welcome biblical wisdom. If you want to know how to be sanctified, like Paul says, by abstaining from from all these things and having control of yourself so you're not like unbelievers. First, you need to welcome biblical wisdom. Look at verse one. My son, give attention to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding. So remember, this is King Solomon, a dad. Yes, he was a king, but he was first a dad. And he is discipling his teaching, instructing his son. Okay, so he wants him to pay close attention to him so he can give him what you and what he lack the most. You guys, can you guys guess what it is? Wisdom, biblical wisdom. He knew that his son, his son at a young age lacked, lacked biblical wisdom. Your generation lacked biblical wisdom. So he says, give attention to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding because I want to give you something that you don't have, which is very important when it comes to pursuing sexual purity, it's biblical wisdom. Now, if you're asking, okay, what is biblical wisdom? Well, simply, you know, as as we've studied Proverbs, biblical wisdom is to know what God says about an issue, whatever it is, in this context, sexual purity, okay? To know and understand what God says about an issue and to have the skill to apply that whatever god says about the issue into your life if you have that you're considered biblically wise okay you have an issue in front of you let's say it's sexual purity and the world is telling you these things your heart is telling you these things and then and then the world is saying this and then you say okay you know what i I need to shut those things out i need to go to god's word I need to see what God says about this issue. And then I need to start applying it into my own life. That's biblical wisdom. When you do that, and you can do that, even even though you're young, you're considered biblically wise. And Solomon says, I'm a dad, I'm a king, I have a young son. That's exactly what he needs. Which means that that's exactly what he lacks. So why why do young people like you and solomon's son need biblical wisdom look at verse two so that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge you need biblical wisdom because it gives you discretion uh we talked about this at camp another word for this is discernment the ability to separate truth from lies Truth from lies, the ability to set them apart. And as you know, there are many lies that young people like you are believing when it comes to sexual sin or sexual temptation. They can't separate what's true and what's a lie. The tendency is, oh, that that must be right, that must be okay. You need biblical wisdom so that you can have discretion, so that you can say, okay, let me look at the issue, in this case, sexual purity, and I, I, should, I should be able to have discernment so I can separate what's what's error and what's truth, and what's truth and what's lies. How do you get that students? You get that from God's word. You get that from people who know God's word. So the question for you students is this, do you welcome biblical wisdom? Do you welcome biblical wisdom? Now if you're saying, I think I do, I think I do. Well, let me ask you these other questions. Do you search the Bible to know what God says about sexual purity? Or do you just assume that you're wise enough and you know how to handle it? Here's another question. Do you ask your parents, leaders, and pastor about dating and how to interact with the opposite gender? Or do you prefer going to your friends and your peers about the issue? So yes, I can ask you: Do you welcome biblical wisdom? We will all say, "Yeah, yeah, I think I do." But when it comes to the day-to-day practical application of this, do you really welcome biblical wisdom? And don't you know? Don't say, "Well, I'm too young. I, I can't. I'm not thinking about those things," or "or um, um, I'm too young for those things." You don't know that, right? If you're already listening to your heart, or listening to the world, guess what? You're not You're not welcoming biblical wisdom. If you're more inclined to kind of talk to your friends about these issues, you know, dating, the, the opposite gender, what you do with your friends, all that stuff, you're already not welcoming biblical wisdom. Solomon says, pay attention. So I can give you exactly what you don't have, which is crucial when it comes to pursuing sexual purity, it's biblical wisdom, because it will give you discernment. Number two, expose the temptations. Expose the temptations. Second strategy. Now, there are many ways that you'll be tempted to commit sexual sin, but I'll just give you the three common ones that you'll face. Okay, Um, And... And as, as we develop and go through Proverbs 5, you'll, you'll notice that Solomon is talking about a person, a lady, and that sexual temptations will come from her. But I, I want you guys to think outside of that and, and think about the other temptations that you're facing, not just from a specific person, okay? But, but there are three common ways that you'll be tempted. And I'll give you I'll give you these three real quick before we look at verse three. The first one is flattering words. Okay, if you're if you're thinking about a person, flattering words. People will, will use their words to tempt you. Okay, they'll tell you what you want to hear so you feel good about yourself. And if you like hearing things like that because you crave attention, then you're susceptible already to committing sexual sin, because people both. Men and women, boys and girls, will use flattering words to tempt you to commit sexual sin. Second common way that people tempt us is physical looks. Okay, physical looks. People will use their looks to tempt you. I mean, just look how young and, and our older generation, everybody, are becoming more and more immodest, both guys and girls. And and I ask myself why. And and I have two answers. I can't read people's hearts, but I have two answers. Either, number one, they're not taught by by their parents how to dress. So what what do they know? What do these young people know if they're not being taught by their parents? So so they dress the way they do. Or, Or secondly, they're intentionally dressing the way they do because they actually want to attract and tempt other people. And so, if you like looking at those kind of people, then guess what? You're susceptible, prone, to commit sexual sin, to, to, to fall into the temptation, and then therefore commit the sin. Here's a third way that we're tempted. Flirtatious personality. So, words, looks, now personality. Flirtatious personality. People will use their personality to tempt you. People who have flirtatious personality are are those who are not careful. They're not careful. They're not careful how people think about them, what people think about them. So they like to push the boundaries when it comes to how they talk, what they talk about, and how they dress, and and, and how they present themselves. They like to play with the boundaries and just keep pushing it and pushing it. That's the personality of the flirtatious person. Just not careful. And if you like hanging out with people like that, then you're susceptible to committing sexual sin. So, students, yes, you're young, but you're surrounded with temptations. Again, temptations are not sinful, but temptations, if you fall into them... Okay, because, you, because you don't have the discernment to expose them so you know if you fall into the temptation then you're committing sexual sin then obviously you're sinning so Solomon is saying students, young people, my son you need to pursue biblical wisdom so that you can have discernment to expose all these kinds of temptations because they come in all shapes and forms and they have one goal Okay, all these temptations, words, looks, um, personality, and other things, they have one goal, to tempt you to sin. And they are tempting you to sin either in your mind by yourself or with your body with somebody else. So now let's look at verse 3. Solomon tells his son not to fall into the temptation of flattering words. Verse 3, 4... The lips of an adulteress drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech so notice he's now he's now talking to his son about a specific person now it, now it doesn't mean that like i said earlier sexual temptations only come from a person like this woman it, it can come from other places and other people in other ways okay so but here he's focusing on a specific woman and he's going to focus on the specific tactic of the woman, which is her flattering words. So he says, the lips of an, o- an adulteress drip honey smoother than oil is her speech. Now, an adulterous woman is a woman who uh, wants to have a sexual relationship with a man she's not married to. That's pretty much what an adulteress is. She's not married to this man, but she wants to do marriage stuff with this man. Okay, that's an adulterer. And how does, she do, how does she do it? How does she tempt? Through her flattering words. And her words may sound nice, but her character and her, her, um, her goal or her purpose are evil. Look at verse 4. That's what, exactly what Solomon says. Hey, her words, very nice. But her character, her purpose, very evil. Verse 4. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, Sharp as a two-edged sword, her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of shield, play, the, the place where, where unbelievers go to. She does not ponder the path of life. You know, she. I, um, I used to call this lady from verse six, uh, wanderlust. You know, the Instagram um, wanderlust type of person. You know, just, just. I just want to be free of responsibilities, but I want, I want to have enough money so that I can just travel, so that I can just feed my flesh, take some pictures of where I go, and just just feel passionate about it and just me, 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 okay? Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that traveling is bad and that having money is bad and that taking pictures of where you go is bad, but it's the attitude, the personality of young people who have this wonder lust all about going out there. Not staying here. Staying here is our responsibilities, preparation for adulthood. It's just not fun for a young person. I'll do that when I'm 35, but for the next five years, go out there. No responsibilities. Just, you know, just please myself. Travel, take pictures, and be like, and want to be like. That's wanderlust. Look at verse 6. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable and she does not know it. You know, you'll see her again in Proverbs chapter 6 and chapter 7. Solomon says that she does not like to stay at home. She does not like to stay at home. She wants to be out. She wants to be light. The paths of life, that's for later. Students, sexual temptations are all around you. And if you're blind to them... Guess what you'll fall into them your job then is to know what they sound like what they look like so you can what expose them and again you cannot expose the temptations without biblical wisdom because biblical wisdom will give you discernment and you cannot get biblical wisdom if you're already trusting in yourself and saying i already know this i already got this and plus i already talked to my peers about this Number three. Number three. Avoid the sources. Avoid the sources. What do I mean by sources? Sources of sexual temptation. Think about how many times you could have avoided sinful thoughts, okay, mind, and sinful actions, okay, body, your body, if you knew where the temptation came from and you avoided it hope oh, the answer would be all of them <laughs> if you knew where they came from if you knew where they came from you would have avoided them and you wouldn't have fallen into the temptation and committed the sin that's exactly what Solomon tells his son next look at verse 7 now then my son so he's not only talking one son now too many sons now then my sons listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. And again, if you read forward, chapter six and chapter seven, guess what the person, the naive young person does in chapter seven? He goes near her house. Solomon is telling his son, son, the woman, okay, the woman who wants to tempt you so that you would commit sexual sin lives in that neighborhood and guess what that's the way you take to school so son take the longer way avoid that path avoid that neighborhood make sure make sure that you run as far as you can from that woman she's just bad news you see her you'll be tempted Yes, you may have biblical wisdom. Yes, you may have some, some discretion, some discernment. But she's just, you know, she's a heavyweight when it comes to temptation. You're not, you, it's just not good. So she lives right there. Solomon says, do not go near the door of her house. Run as far as you can from that lady. Now, students, the sources of sexual temptation for you may not be a woman, like Solomon is telling his sons. Okay? May not be a woman in your neighborhood. But you need to know where they are. Okay, you need to know where the sources of temptation are for you. So, is being in your bedroom alone at night a source of temptation for you? Okay, if you say yes, then you need to address that. Is being around your immodest, flirtatious friends a source of temptation for you? If your answer is yes, then why are you hanging out with that person? Is having access to everything... Okay, I told you at camp, you know, your leaders, myself, uh, back in the day when we were your age, we didn't have access to everything all the, same, you know, all the time because we didn't have phones that could access the world wide web. But you guys do today. Okay, so is having access to everything all the time on your phone a source of temptation for you? If it is, then why are you excusing it? Oh, I need it for emails. Really? That's your answer. If it's a source of temptation for you, and it is a very important issue Solomon is saying, there's no no excuse that's worth it. It's sad students to watch young people like you who overestimate their strength, okay, what they can handle, and they underestimate the strength of temptations, specifically sexual temptations. Remember this, students, from these verses, especially verse 8. Remember this. Your goal in fighting sexual temptation, okay, fighting sexual sin, is not how close you can get to these temptations, whether it's a woman or a man or a phone or an environment or a movie or whatever. It's not how close you can get to those things without falling in, but how far you can get so that you will not fall in that there's not even a, a a chance that you fall in that's the goal it's not how close you can get you're fooling yourself students if you if you're saying ah yeah it's, it's not like it's rated r you're fooling yourself when you say yeah yeah i know she's immodest flirtatious but you know i, I already know that so i'm already careful you're a fool if you're already excusing all those things that's fine, yeah. I'm fine if I have my phone in my bedroom. It's not a big deal. Really, it's not a big deal. You're fooling yourself. Your goal is not how close you can get without falling in, but how far you can get so you don't fall in. How many times have you believed the lie that you can get as close as you can without falling in, and then next thing that next thing happens, you fall in? How many times does that happen? Number four. Force, force strategy. Imagine the regrets. Imagine the regrets. Does God forgive sexual uh, sin in the mind or with the body? Yes, He does. He forgives those things. But but will you not have regrets? You will. You'll have, you'll have plenty of regrets. Verse 9 or you will give your vigor to others. So he's saying, if you do not listen to me, if you don't welcome my wisdom, if you don't, if you don't develop this discernment, if you don't know how to expose temptations, if you go near the location of that tem- temptation, you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. Verse 10, and strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard earned goods will go to the house of an alien. Now, lots of words here that you may not be familiar with, but this is is basically talking about having regrets because you gave your honor, okay? Your honor and your dignity, something that's very personal to you, something that's very important to you, honor and dignity when it comes to sexual relations, okay? you 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 you'll be full of regrets because you gave all that to someone you're not married to when you should have been all the time protecting it and preserving it like like somebody said earlier for your future spouse your vigor your honor your your all, all that's within you your passions for sexual relationship God is saying that's 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 for you to protect right now. That's for you to preserve right now. For, for the person I'm saving for you to marry. But if you do not listen to what Solomon is saying here, and you give that to other people you're not married to, you'll be full of regrets. And if you're asking, I'm sure I regret some, but then I'll get over it. No. Look at verse 11. Solomon says and you groan at your final end okay final end maybe, maybe you'll live till you're 70 or 80 when your flesh and your body are consumed and you say at the end you say to yourself oh how I have hated instruction right now if you don't welcome biblical wisdom if you're not going to your parents and leaders for wisdom and you're going to your peers you might not be saying ah, I don't, you, you might not be saying oh, that's me hating instruction. You might not be saying that. But when you fall into the temptation and you commit sexual sin for many, 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 many years, you will be saying that. How I have hated instruction. People who love me warned me about this. I went to camp and sat through many sessions about this. My pastor even did a series on Proverbs. And my, and my friends wanted to hold me accountable. Oh man, how I have... have Hated all those instructions. In my heart spurned reproof. I didn't want to listen to those things. I thought that they were just overreacting. I just thought that my parents were being too strict on me. Oh, my heart spurred reproof. Verse 13. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instructors. Remember, the dad, Solomon, to the son says, pay attention. Give me your ears. Listen to me. And now he's saying, I did not incline my ear to you and to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. Verse 14. In the midst of the assembly and congregation implies that this guy went public. When it, when it comes to his shame, he was caught and everybody knew about it. Oh, that's the guy. Yeah, that's the guy who left his wife for, the, for that woman. Doing now? I don't know, he left the church. You know, he's somewhere. If you look at his Facebook, he's way, 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 way deep in the world doing the things that that got him in trouble. Oh, that's him, yes, that's him. So students, if you're in a pattern of committing sexual sin now, whether it's mentally by yourself or physically with another per- person, if you do not repent now, you will be this. Okay, In the end, you'll be that person who is full of regrets. And you will say to yourself exactly what Solomon is saying here. And, at, at, and when you get there, students, there's no rewind, there's no redo. You can't go back to those times that you overestimated your strength and underestimated the temptation and you went as close as you came thinking that you wouldn't fall in but you did fall in you can't rewind to those moments and say let me just redo that no you'll be full of regrets number five number five trust God's design trust God's The world believes that romance and intimacy are designed for self to please self and to serve self but for christians for christians like you and me we believe that god made and designed romance and intimacy exclusively between a husband and a wife that's what the bible says that's what god's design is look at verse 15 Solomon is going to exhort his son to get that design and to to understand that design. Verse 15, so sons, drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Now, again, we're talking about Proverbs, right? We're talking about uh, wisdom literature. He's not literally saying, okay, we're done talking about sexual purity. It's time to uh, grab you know, grab a bottle of water from the fridge and make sure you drink that and you don't share that with the person next to you because you can get sick, okay? It's not, it's not literal uh, language. Solomon is likening romance and intimacy to water, okay? And he's saying, you keep it private, okay? You keep it private. It's only for you and your spouse, okay? I, I believe he uses water because it has, it has this sense of refreshment Okay, that's what a husband and a wife enjoy together exclusively. And he says, that's private stuff. You keep it to yourself. You don't share that. It's only for you and your spouse. Verse 16, should your springs be dispersed abroad? Streams of water in the streets? So, should you enjoy romance and intimacy with someone you're not married to? And don't say, well, it's just you know, text messaging. It's not like we're doing anything. You're fooling yourself. You can't say, well, it's just you know, I just look at stuff. It's not like I'm wasting my water with another person. I'm just looking at stuff. You're fooling yourself. Should you enjoy that stuff with someone you're not married to? The answer is no. You protect it and you preserve it. You protect it and you preserve it. Verse 17 says that exact same thing. Let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. And be exhilarated always with her love. It's private. It's for married people. I know Solomon is specifically talking about married people here and and what they enjoy together. Okay, romance and, and intimacy. But, you know, I was thinking about this, it, it amazes me how early young people get into a dating relationship. How early they get into a dating relationship, and secondly, how fast they express affection in that dating relationship. And, and I ask them why, I ask them why, and they usually have no wise or clear answer. And I ask them, okay, Uh, What's your goal in dating? Sometimes they don't have a wise and clear answer. Okay, you're dating. Okay, why are you holding hands? And I tell the person, I'm not against holding hands, but I want to ask you, why are you holding hands? You've been dating for a month. Why are you holding hands? They don't have a wise and clear answer. They start saying I love you to each other. You know, four months in. I'm not against that. There's no chapter and verse that you can't say that when you're, when you're dating. But I asked them, why? Why are you saying that? No wise or clear answer. Yes, again, Solomon is specifically talking about married people and he's telling them, you need to preserve it. You need to protect it. It's only for you and your spouse. You don't waste it out here. But for you students, as a single person, do not, okay, do not waste it. say well I'm not married well it's not like we're doing anything well it's just dating it's just holding hands I I do want to show affection and I love you it communicates that I care be careful be careful with that okay again there's intimacy in those dynamics there's romantic Um, emotions in those dynamics even though it's not physical and Solomon's saying no you protect that stuff you preserve that stuff and how do you know if the person you're you know um, dating is the person you're gonna marry you protect it you preserve it that's God's design number six number six Fear God's omniscience. If you don't know how to spell that word, omniscience, just copy your neighbor's spelling. <laughs> just, just think of omni and then science. Yeah, <laughs> Grace will copy from Katie. Henry will copy from Grace, and then just, just go around. So if she got, if she gets it wrong, then everybody gets it wrong. Omni, science but you put them together. <laughs> think, students, think about, think about this Okay, think about this How many times Okay, how many times you could have avoided sexual sin If you reminded yourself And it's not that you guys don't know this You know this The problem is you don't believe it And you don't recall it to mind in the moment So think about this How many times could you have avoided sexual sin Whether in the mind or with your body With somebody else How many times you could have avoided that If you reminded yourself and called to mind that God is watching you in the moment that you're facing the temptation and you're trying to make the decision, do I get as close as I can without falling in, or do I run the other way so I don't fall in? If you just remembered one thing, that God is watching you, it would would save you. It would save you from falling in. Verse 20. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner, someone you're not married to, for the ways... So he says, why Why would you do that? Why would you go on your phone and look at that? Why would you talk to that friend that way? Why would you flirt with that person like that? Why? Why, why would you do that? He's saying, why would you... Why, why would you say, you know what? I know the Bible says protect this and preserve it. You know, my emotions, my intimacy, my romance, all those dynamics uh, that's, that's within me, that God put in me. And he says, protect it, preserve it. Why would I just share that? Why would I do that? Why would you do that, Psalmist says. Verse 21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. Why would you do that? He watches all your paths. Why would you do that? God is watching you, he's saying. I was discipling a young guy many, many, many years ago who struggled with, with pornography. Um, and if you don't know what pornography is, is to look at images or you can say pictures or photos or videos um, or movies, TV shows that have inappropriate images. Bodies that should be covered are not covered. That's pornography, okay? And it tempts you to commit sexual sin, whether in your mind or, or with your body. That's pornography. So this guy was struggling with this. He said to me, you know what, Roy? You know, I've been meeting with him for a little while. You know what, Roy? It'd be so much easier if I wasn't alone by myself so much. And I said, why? Why do you say that? And he said, if only I'm around people all the time, I wouldn't be looking at pornography. I wouldn't be clicking. I wouldn't be pulling that stuff up if, I, if I'm only Around people all the time. And I looked at him straight in the I I will never forget. I looked at him, we're at Starbucks, across the church. I looked at him and I grabbed his arm. Um and and I think later on, he's he's a Christian now and later on I think he said, Man, when you grab my arm, it would it was pretty tight, man. And I said, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because of the lie you were believing. So I, I looked, at him, looked, looked at him in the eyes and I grabbed his arm and I said, and I said, buddy, buddy, someone is always watching you. So why would you do that stuff? If you're thinking that you wouldn't do that stuff if you were around people so that people are watching you and you wouldn't be doing it, guess what? Somebody is always watching you. So why are you doing it? Guess what? Even if you were around people, you would be doing it. Because you don't believe God's omniscience. God is always watching you, I told him. I, lo- I love how the NIV translates this verse. Verse 21, if you have NIV, it's, it's very clear and practical. The NIV says, For your ways are in full view of the Lord. You think you can hide stuff from your parents? You think you can... You know, clear your searches so that when your parents get on your devices, they won't know what you've been looking at. Do you think you can do that? God says, Solomon says, your ways are in full view in the Lord's eyes. High def, 8K, he sees everything. And he examines all your paths. There's no hiding, there's no erasing. God is watching. Students, don't ever think that you're alone. Okay, God sees what you're looking at. God knows what you're thinking about. And He's watching what you are doing all the time. That's a strong, very strong strategy that you can use in pursuing sexual purity. Number seven. Last one. Consider the consequences. Consider the consequences. Verse 22. Solomon tells his sons, his own iniquities will capture the wicked and he will be held with the course of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction and in the greatness of his folly, his foolishness, he will go astray. Students, if you never take sexual sin seriously like the Bible tells you to and you never listen to the warnings of people who love you, Sexual sin, like verse 22 says, will end up becoming your master. Okay, Look at what it says. He will be held with the cords of his sin. That's slavery language. Okay, Sexual sin will enslave you. It will become your master. um, And you'll just say yes to it. That's going to be the rest of your life. And if you listen to the lies that say that it's okay to dabble with sexual sin, that you can stop whenever you want, that it won't hurt you, and that everyone else is doing it you'll have nothing to look forward to but lifelong consequences verse 23 says that you will die for lack of instruction and in the greatness of your folly you will live a life that's just going straight just full of consequences <laughs> students this is very important okay I know Proverbs chapter 5 is Solomon talking about a specific temptation a woman who uses a specific tactic to tempt young men like his sons. Flattering words. But you need to think about this. Okay? Because God says his will for you is to be sexually pure. Okay? It guys, it, it saddens me every time I hear someone says, you know, a young, 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 young person, uh, young person who says, yeah, the relationship did not work out because I found out that that other person was struggling with sexual temptation, sexual sin. And it saddens me that other people who are listening to that conversation will tell that young person, well, good luck finding someone who does not fall into sexual sin. Don't believe that. You can. You can believe and you can obey God's will for you if you're a Christian. This is God's will for you, your sanctification, so that you're not like unbelievers, or even believers who say, well, everybody does it, so good luck finding someone who hasn't done it. That's lowering God's will, lowering God's standard. This is very important. You protect it, you preserve it, and you trust that God will give you and, and walk you through His will for you as you pursue relationship I hope that's helpful students I thought that would that's another topic that we would, wouldn't want to skip from Proverbs um, again give me your questions for next Sunday and start reading Ephesians and Lord willing we'll start that two Sundays from now let's pray you Lord thank you for the clarity of your word sometimes we look for your will in other places but this is this is pretty pretty clear you want all of us young and old uh, those who have been in the faith um, long or short you want all of us to be sexually pure for those who have fallen into sexual sin I pray that they would go to you for forgiveness that they would confess that whether they're committing it in their minds or with somebody else I pray that they would go to you because they don't want the regrets they don't want the consequences they would want to obey you, I pray that that would be the case. For those who maybe this is their first time hearing these kinds of issues and topics, maybe they've heard it from their parents a little bit, but this is maybe a a, a shock to them. I pray that that they would take this as a preparation uh, as as a ammunition that they have when those things come, when sexual temptations come so that we would have biblical wisdom and discretion because we want to obey you we want to follow your will and we want to be we want to be good examples to those who don't believe bless these students protect them from from these temptations and i pray that that you would just be their first love